Amen. Well, God bless you. Also, this weekend kind of brings to end, if you've been around here for a couple weeks, you know that we've been in a uh, season of fasting and prayer, and so this weekend kind of brings that fasting to a close. Not the prayer part. We'll probably keep praying. Amen. But, uh, uh, but it would bring the fast this season, this 21 days uh, to a close. But I, we, we kind of this week started sensing something, and I certainly sensed it in my heart real strong that maybe God's calling us to uh, extend the fast for just seven more days um, with really the direct focus of our prayers being that the Kansas City Chiefs actually wins the Super Bowl <laughs> next Sunday. So who's with me? On that, amen. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be continuing the fast, but I think a lot of you should, and I think you should consider it uh, for my favorite football team. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, if you want to fast and pray, I will take it, but I am just kidding. Um, I was reading this week about the uh, settlement in Jamestown, Virginia, uh, it's actually been restored, and it, it looks, if you go there, I haven't been, I actually want to after reading about it, but if you go there, it looks like it did 350 years ago. They have uh, preserved a lot of parts of it and preserved a lot of parts of it, uh, restored some parts of it, and so it looks a lot like it did 350 years ago, and when that settlement was first developed, they built little houses for, them to, for themselves to live in. They were just little huts, little like almost a tent at times or a little hut. But one of the first things they did was they built uh, a church. They, I mean, it was, it was mammoth. It was the lar- by far, I mean, by far the largest building in the community. Uh, and uh, they were trying to send the word that, that God was gonna be first. And so in that church, largest building in the community, the center of the community, in that church, they would have services every single day for two hours a day. And you're expected to be there every day. Matter of fact, if you didn't come to church on that day, you wouldn't get your food rations for that day because they kind of had a philosophy that was this, that if you're too sick to come to church, then you're too sick to eat. <laughs> We're thinking about implementing some of these uh, strategies into our church. On Sundays, they would have a five-hour service on Sunday. I, nobody said amen to that at all. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Maybe at the other campuses, everyone did. They had a five-hour service on Sunday, and you were expected to be there for all five hours. Now watch this. If you missed three weeks in a row of the Sunday service, a five-hour service, then you would be put in stocks out in front of the church for six weeks. Again, we're thinking about implementing some of these strategies. We're going to see our attendance skyrocket. Um, no, of course, we would, we would never do that. And I, you know, obviously, there was some misguided application going on there. But I can get behind the sentiment that they were trying to put out there. And the sentiment was this, that in this community, God is going to be first. I can get behind that part. Not so much putting people in stocks and maybe not even the five-hour services. But I can get behind this. I can get behind in this community, God's going to be first. Because I think that's a good thing for us to stand behind. That we would say, in this church, God is going to be first. In this church, in our lives, in our homes, God is going to be first. And that's what they were trying to say, and, and you may have been around these last few weeks as we've talked about the blessed life, and we've talked about resource, and we've talked about money, and you may have think that that's what this series is ultimately about. It's about money, it's about giving, but I, I want to tell you this, ultimately it's about God being first. That's really what it's been about all along, is that God would be first 
in our heart, that God would be first in our life. And when God is first in our heart and when God is first in our life, then yes, God's gonna be first in our giving. But ultimately, he, he needs to be first. Uh, Matthew chapter six talks about this in verse 33. And it says this, but seek ye first, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit today about the, the, uh, God first living, but uh, there's no God first living without God first giving. But even in this passage of scripture, Matthew chapter six, I don't know if you noticed it, but it presented two sides to this. It presented the fact that when God is first, we are blessed. When God is first, we are blessed. Did you hear what it says? It said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, and then the blessing kicks in, and all these things will be added to as well. It's a principle we see all throughout scripture that when God is first, we are blessed. And we're gonna look at a couple other scriptures where that same principle shows up. As I read these scriptures, I want you to watch for that moment when it goes from our assignment to his reaction to our obedience. To, it kicks into that blessing. Watch for that moment in these scriptures when it, when it shifts. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine and 10. Look at it, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit. Again, God is first, that's what the tithe is. It's the, it's the first fruit. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of, of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will overflow with new wine. There it is. When God is first, we are blessed. Malachi chapter three, verse 10, bring the whole tithe, the first fruit, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not, and here's the blessing, Throw open the floodgates of heaven. Pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then the nations will call you blessed. Sign me up for that. That people would just look at me and go, boy, he, you're blessed, aren't you? I'd be like, yes, I am. The nations will call you blessed for your uh, you, yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter nine, here it is again. Each one of you should give what you've decided. There's our part, putting God first. What you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. It's a, it's a scriptural principle we see all throughout scripture that when God is first, and that's what this has always been about, God is first, we're blessed. So I just wanna break that two parts of that equation down and it would start with this, that the requirement is for us that we have to put God first. The requirement is to put God first. That's where we, what we saw it, Matthew, seek ye first. In Proverbs, honor the Lord with the first fruit. Malachi, bring the tithe, which is the first. Uh, and we see it all throughout these verses that we read. So we may think that this series has been about money, but it hasn't. The series has been about our heart. And when God is first in our heart, when God is first in our life, then God will be first in our finances. And here's the thing about God. God cannot be in any other place but first. It's the only position he can occupy because one of the attributes, one of the characteristics of God is this thing called preeminence. And that word preeminence means first place. It means supreme. It means superiority. And that is 
that is who God is. It's just, it's his, it's his existence that he would be supreme, that he would be first, that he would be preeminent. Colossians chapter one, verse 18 talks about his preeminence when it says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, in, in, in our church, in my life, in my home, in my relationships, in my work, in my finances, that in all things he may have the preeminence, that he may have first place. And here's the thing, when God is in first place in our life, it's amazing how all the other aspects of our life seem to fall into place. When God is first, it seems like my marriage comes into the right order. When God is first, my home and my family comes into order. When God is first, my finances come into order. When God is first, there's just a blessing on my life. So when we give, like when you have moments where we have opportunity to give in, in, in offerings and give you know, God's tithe back to him and, and offerings even above that, what that is, it's just a tangible opportunity to reestablish God as number one. Like, like if it's weekly or if it's every other week, if it's monthly, whatever it is for you, each time that you return that first fruit to him, that's what's happening is you're just, it's an opportunity to reestablish that God is number one in my heart. And you would say, well, I mean, is, is what's going on in my heart really that connected to what's going on you know, with my resource and with my, with my money? And I, I would say, yes, it is. And it's not even my idea. It was Jesus's idea. Jesus is the one that said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is linking, and it's linking forever, this connection between our heart and our treasure. So each time we give, it's a reestablishing God. You are number one in my heart. I, I read about a, a mom that was coming to church with her family, and uh, she got into her purse and she was giving her daughter some money for the offering when kids church. And she said, okay, honey, here's a, a dollar and here's a quarter. And she said, you can give whichever one of these you want to today when, kids, when the offering happens in kids church. And so the daughter said, okay. So she went off to kids church and mom couldn't wait till after church to find out which, uh, which one she decided to give. So church got out and they're in the car on their way to lunch. And mom said to her little girl, she said, hey, so... Uh, uh, what did you give in the offering today? And she said, well, mom, I was going to give the dollar in the offering, uh, but then they, they, I heard them say something about God loves a cheerful giver, and I knew I would be way more cheerful if I gave the quarter and kept the dollar, so that's what I did. <laughs> How many know she just almost got it? She was just almost there. But at least that little girl understood something. That little girl understood the connection between our treasure and our heart. And so the requirement for us is to put God first, but then the result of that, the reward of that is when we put God first, we will be blessed. That's the reward that God promises. And we, again, we read that in those verses. These things will be given to you as well. Proverbs, your barns will be filled overflowing. Malachi, I will throw open the floodgates of heaven. Second Corinthians, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Now ask yourself this question, why would we as the church, why would we take the risk of speaking on this topic, knowing that some people might misconstrue the, our motives or misunderstand something? Why would we take the risk of, of speaking on, on giving and, 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 and obedience to God in this area, maybe resource and money? Why would we do that? Now, the Bible talks a lot about it. So, of course, if the Bible talks a lot about it, we're going to talk about it. 
Uh, and I have found this too, that people who are walking in this blessing of God, they're like, preach it. You know, they're like, preach it every week because I want, I want more of the blessing of God on my life and, and, and uh, I want to walk in this and I, this builds my faith. And, and I hope this has been a series that has built you up and not, it's not been meant to, to tear you down. But I have found this. I, I went to the dentist a couple, a couple weeks ago and the dentist was doing a cleaning and doing some different checks and poking around and seeing how each tooth was doing. And as that dentist was doing it on all my good teeth, I was fine. But the dentist got over here and hit, uh, started poking on a bad tooth and me and the dentist had a problem at that point. Like we were, I was ready to throw down with the dentist right there. Uh, I was ready to jump out of the chair and run away. And, uh, and you know what? That problem area, that wasn't the dentist's fault. Really, that shouldn't hurt. What, what she was doing to my tooth shouldn't hurt. It hurt because there was a problem. And so these messages, it shouldn't hurt. This should be uplifting. It should be building. If, if it hurts a little bit, I'm just saying, it's not the pastor's fault. Maybe there's something going on that God's trying to speak to you. Sometimes the messages, watch this, sometimes the messages that we don't like hearing are sometimes the ones we, we need to hear the most. I'll, I'll move on before y'all shout me down any longer. So why would we take the risk, though? Is it because the, is it because the church is in dire straits and we can't pay the bills and we don't know what we're going to do. No, that's not what it is. Is it because somebody in leadership roles are going to be high rolling once you start giving more and they're going to have this lavish life? No, I promise you nothing could be further from the truth. Not, nothing changes on that, on that level. That is not the, so it's, it's not that we're in dire straits. It's not that somebody is, is greedy for something. I'll tell you what it is. The reason why we would take the risk to preach these messages is because we know that when God is first, you are blessed. We want you to be blessed we want your families to be blessed. We want your lives to be blessed. And that's why. And financial troubles, financial, the financial issues puts more stress on relationships. I, I looked this week and found study after study, new studies, uh, found three more this week of, of illustrating that financial stress is the number one reason that couples are, 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 are fighting and the number one reason, it's, it's not even just in our country, there's international studies. Number one reason why couples are getting divorced in, in, in Britain is because of uh, financial issues. It's the number one thing couples fight about. Uh, and, and couples and marriages are, are, are coming together and starting with more debt than ever before in history. And so because these, this issue of money can be such a stress and such a strain on the relationship and on the home, that's why we have to walk under the blessing of God. You know that God did not invent tithing so that the church could move forward. God did not invent tithing so that um, the church would grow. God invented tithing so that you would move forward, so that you would be able to grow in your faith and see God come through. A couple of uh, months ago, I was up in Northern California speaking at a church, and they'd asked me to speak on this topic, on, on the topic of, of giving and first fruit and tithing and, and what that means. And so I did, and uh, the service went well. And uh, uh, right after that service uh, ended, and it was about, about a same, that same week, maybe Thursday or Friday of that same week, I got a text from the pastor. And he said, hey, there was a guy in our church that uh, after your message, he tithed for the first time in his life. And I was like reading the text, and I was like, man, that's awesome. And I was still going on the text, and he said, uh, and then this week, um, he lost his job. And uh, I was like, oh, do you want to have me back to preach pretty soon? Like I'm assuming... 
You know, that, that's not supposed to how that story ends. You don't see those, we don't put those video testimonies together very often, right? Like somebody up there going, I, I, I tithe for the first time and now I don't have a job. God's good, amen. You know, like that's not, that's not how that's supposed to go. So I text back and I said, well, you, you tell them I'm praying and that God's got something. God's up to something in his life. And he went for several weeks without a job. And, uh, and I would check back from time to time and I'd say, hey, what's the story? Uh, what's, what's, what's going on? He's, well, yeah, he's looking for a job and whatever. And uh, the last time I checked with that pastor, I said, hey, what's going on with, with him? His name's Franklin. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, Franklin got a job. He said the other job he was working before was more contracted work. It wasn't quite as steady. He said he found a job that's salaried, that's steady. It's a promotion from what he was doing before. He gets to work from home. He doesn't even have to go to work now before he was working at, uh, at the job. I'm just getting started. He makes, in, he makes significantly more money than he made in the first job. All, and this is the, his testimony is this too, that in that season of not having the job, he was blown away about how his financial needs were met and there was always food on the table and the rent was always paid and God blessed him to walk through in that whole season. And I'm convinced of this. I'm, I'm convinced that if Franklin had not decided to step out and tithe on that, first, uh, on that Sunday, that first time he did, he may still be working the same job he was working before. But something happened. He initiated a blessing of God on his life. And no, it didn't happen immediately. He had to walk through. He had to walk by faith for a second, right? But then the blessing of God was going to kick in because it always will eventually. It's not even the tithing that initiates the blessing of God. It's the faith to step out and give. It's the faith to step out and tithe. It's the faith that trusts God. That's what initiates and establishes the blessing of God on our life. Now, one word of warning before we're going to switch over and like we have like last week. And uh, we're going to have a, a portion uh, by Pastor Robert Morris again. But one more word of warning before we do that. Does God bless givers? Yes. Does God bless people who honor him with the tithe? Yes. But should that blessing be the motivation for our giving? No. God's not in heaven hoping that we become great getters, like we get the spirit of getting. That's, that's not what this is about. It's not, this is not meant to be our motivation. We don't give to get. But you know, what this, you know what this blessing is supposed to be? You know what this promise is supposed to be? This blessing and this promise is to free us from the fear of giving, to free us from the grief that can so many times uh, attach itself to our giving. No, we understand that when God is first, we are blessed. If you want to turn to Leviticus chapter 27, Leviticus 27, and Pastor Robert Morris is going to pick it up at that verse. And all, I want you to notice the word all, and all the tithe of the land, all of it, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. There's the emphatic phrase again, belongs to God. It is, it, God set it apart for himself. And that's what the next phrase says. It is holy that word holy is the word that simply means set apart. It is set apart to the Lord. That's why it's stealing, because he set it apart to himself. And that's why it has to be first, because God's first and he owns it. So in, order, in other words, if we're gonna return it, we have to return it first. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an illustration, um, and it's a math illustration, okay? So I'm warning you, so half of you can take a nap, all right? Um, <laughs> I understand that. You're, you're strong in other subjects, math and English, I'm strong in those subjects. Uh, you know, I, I like gr grammar, you know, and uh, someone who watches our television program sent me a, a thing that said, I am a little sign for me to hang up my house that said, I am silently correcting your grammar right now. 
And I said to Debbie, I said, look at this. Do you like this? She said, yeah, except uh, you don't do it silently. <laughs> so I like math and English. My father is actually a mathematical genius. And that's no exaggeration. He's a genius when it comes to that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a genius, but numbers add up in my mind without me trying. If you, if you name some numbers, they're going to add up, and I'm, I'm not going to try to do it. It's just going to happen. That's the way I think. Um, we, we were, Debbie and I were buying something a while back, and it was $7.99. And the lady said, uh, I'll have to add the tax on the uh, calculator because the cash register's broken. And I said, it's 66 cents, like that. And she said, excuse me? I said, 66 cents. She looked at a minute, and then she did this. She said, uh, it's 66 cents. <laughs> I won't say, yes, I know that, but I did. I said, okay, so paid for it. We got out in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? How, how do you do that that fast? Now, I thought she was actually asking me how I did it. I found out later she couldn't care less how I did that. <laughs> she was just, you know, paying me a compliment as a, a wife honoring her husband, but she asked, how do you do that? So I said, well, sugar, uh, 7.99 is close to eight. Our tax rate is 8.25. Eight times eight is 64. Quarter of eight is two. 64 plus two is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind. <laughs> she said, it doesn't. Then she said, but I know what 25% off is. <laughs> so again, now being the man, you know, I, I'm thinking she's talking math. I did not realize until after the whole conversation she was not talking math. But I said to her, okay, if you're buying something for $100 and it's 25% off, I said, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. <laughs> and then she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. I said, what? She said, yeah, 50% off is the same thing as buy one, get one free, so it's free. It's 50% off, it's free. And if it's 75% off, you're making money. Which explains some difficulties we've had over the years with our checkbook. I saved us money today. You ever heard that one? <laughs> well, how come we lost? Okay, so, um, so I'm gonna give you a math illustration and so half of you can check out, all right, just for a moment. It's not a, a tough one either, right? Let's say that you're a landscaper and you uh, come to our home and Pastor Albert, um, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I call you and I say, listen, uh, I'd like to add some trees and some plants and some Okay, let me make this uh, illustration realistic. Debbie would like to add some plants and some trees and some flowers and things, you know. And so you give me an estimate, and you say, now this is how much my materials will be, this is how much my labor will be, and my profit will be $1,000. You need to know the tithe is on the profit. It's not on all of this, it's on the increase. Your personal increase, personal income. That's what we tithe on, okay? So, um, so you say, are you agreeable to this whole price? I say, yes, I am. So after you do the job, I pay for all your materials, all your labors, and then for your profit, let's say that I give you 10 $100 bills. So you have $1,000 in your hand, okay? So this is the math part, right? So you have $1,000. Let me ask you two questions, all right? $1,000, the word tithe, remember, means 10%. So how much is the tithe? $100, all right? I know some of you still 
Okay, carry the, okay. But that's all right, that's okay. All right, so it's $100, that's right. But you have 10 $100 bills in your hand, so which one is the tithe? The first one, yeah, okay. The one on top, someone said, all right. Let me say it to you a different way, all right? It's the first one that leaves your hand. That's the tithe. In other words, if you go home and you say, let me set aside some for the mortgage, some for the car, some for utilities, some for clothes, and here's God's part. No, that's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. Because here's what a lot of people do. Okay, let me set aside some for this and this and this, and oh, there's not enough leftover for God. Can I say something nicely to you, but firmly? He wouldn't accept it anyway, because our God does not accept leftovers. Matter of fact, he says it in Malachi. He says, you bring me the blind and the, and the lame animals, and I do not accept them. I accept the first. That's all I accept. Okay, so how, how does this work out in my own life? I get paid on the 15th and 30th, and, uh, or the last day of the month, 30th or 31st, and it's directly deposited, so it's like it magically appears, you know, in my account. So what I do on the 15th and the last day of the month is while I'm having my quiet time in the morning, before I do anything else, I go online, and, and that's the way now, I think it's just easiest to give online. I go online and I uh, send the tithe to Gateway Church. And for us, many of you know, it's a double tithe. It's been since 1985, God spoke just to do 20% to the local church and then give over and above that. So for us, it goes to, and what we do, by the way, is to let you know 10% is the tithe, we give 10% extra to heart for the kingdom every year. So that's how we can kind of estimate it when we come to that part of the, of the year, which will be in, in a few months, we'll come to that part where we all get to make a commitment over and above our tithe. So we, I send that on the 15th and the 30th, okay? So what happens though, if I, I, I have an early morning meeting and um, I kind of rush out, I don't have my quiet time that day, and I get home that night and I think, oh, it's the 15th, I forgot to do the tithe. And I go in and I notice that Debbie has been to the grocery store that day. Okay, what I do, I don't say, oh, it's great, sugar, we're cursed. <laughs> it's great, I mean, you gave the tithe to Kroger's and so we're cursed now. No, because I'm not legalistic about it. And listen to me, God's not legalistic either. I'm not trying to give you a legalistic principle today. I'm trying to give you a principle that's about your heart. Where's your heart? God knows my heart, he knows your heart. Where's your heart? So the first 10% goes to the house of God. Now, Exodus 13, let me show you one more scripture and, and then we're finished, all right? We stopped a while ago at verse 13, so let's pick it up at verse 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? Okay, in other words, he's saying one day your son's gonna ask you, why are you killing these animals? that you shall say to him, by strength of hand, by a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeemed. Okay, I want you to, let's just bring this up to modern day. Let's think about this. The son uh, goes away to college. He gets his degree. He comes back. His dad says, hey, one of the things I like you to do is take over the books. And so one day the son is sitting in there and he's got the books in front of him. Dad comes in from the field and the son says, uh, dad, um, uh, sit down, dad. 
uh, you know, you asked me to, you know, take over the books and uh, the business and all, and Dad, I'm, 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 I've been going over the books, and um, Dad, um, I, want, I want to talk to you about something, man. Um, you might not even know you do this. You know, Dad? Uh, we all have blind spots, you know? So, not accusing you, just, just talking numbers now. Um, but Dad, um, every time uh, one of our animals has a, a firstborn, you, um, how shall I say this, uh, kill it. <laughs> and uh, Dad, uh, I think it's getting out of hand uh, with you because you, you, you killed 72 animals last year. And um, um, we're, we're in the ranching business, Dad. And uh, th- th- this is cutting into our profits. So wh- why do you do that? He said, one day your son's going to ask you. And he said, when he asks you, you say to your son, son, um, I need to tell you something about our family that you don't know. But we weren't always in the ranching business. We, we did not own animals. We didn't own land. Son, we were slaves. We were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed us and gave us everything we have now. Therefore, we gladly give to God the firstborn of all of our increase. Now, this was written 4,000 years ago. And this principle happened to me. Uh, When Josh was kind of getting old enough to understand numbers and all, and he has this mathematical mind like I do and like his grandfather. And so one day I was paying the bills. Now we didn't have online back then. And so what I would do is I would write the check first and then I would set the check, the tithe check, and then I would set it over the side, and then I would pay the bills. But I'd always write the tithe check first and set it over the side and then take it with me to church. By the way, for you young people, we used to have pieces of paper called checks. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'd set it over the side. So I'm paying the bills, and Josh came in, and I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye. And he's reading this tithe check, and he sees the amount which to a a young boy looks like a lot of money. And he says, Dad, why are you giving so much to the church? And I remember this scripture, when your son asks you, this is what you tell him. And I took Josh and I actually set him on my lap and I said to him, I need to tell you something about daddy that you don't know. But daddy wasn't always a Christian, son. And daddy was a very bad man. And daddy was in bondage. But God with a mighty hand 
redeemed your daddy and gave us everything we have now. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of my increase. This is a principle that's all through scripture. It's called the principle of first. Is God first in your life? Amen. I know, what you're, I know what you're doing as you clap your hands. You're letting the redeemed of the Lord say so. You're saying, I, I, I bear witness with that. I know what it's like to be redeemed. I am, I am grateful for God, grateful to God for all that I have. Um, and that's what, um, that's the attitude that we would strive for. This um, couple of weeks ago, of course, with the holidays being over, a couple of weeks ago, we were putting away our Christmas stuff and putting the tree and the lights and all that away. And when we did, we were had one of the little boxes out that has all of the Christmas stuff. And, and uh, <clears throat> when we did, I, we, we saw some of these ornaments in there that uh, the kids had made us uh, in elementary school. It's stuff like, you remember, you remember getting these right here? This was, uh, Ashton made us that one. And then uh, th- this one is uh, some, some quality, uh, some quality artsmanship there, right there. A uh, little mitten with a picture on it. Uh, I think Noah made that one. So uh, we were looking through those, going through those. And I was remembering back to when uh, that season of my life and and uh, I think it would go like this. The kids would be, you know, in the last couple of days of school before Christmas break. And of course, school would let out before Christmas, a couple of weeks before. And they'd do an art project and the kids would make a, an ornament, a gift for their parents. And they would even wrap the gift there in class. And I think that the teacher then would give instruction uh, to the kids and say, now give this to your parents when you get home from school, but tell them not to open it until Christmas. And so uh, I can remember the kids showing up with that little wrapped thing that they'd made and they'd give it to us. And, and I remember more than once, so they'd give it to us and say, now you can't open it till Christmas. And me and my wife would be like, okay, that's fine. And then a couple seconds would go by and then inevitably they'd say, do you want to open it now? <laughs> and we'd be like, well, no, that's fine. We can wait till Christmas. We can wait. And it would turn into, do you want to open it now, to eventually it would be, just open it. Yeah, open it now. It'll be awesome. Just go ahead and open it now. Just open it. We don't have to wait. We just, I won't tell anybody. Just go ahead and open it. You know what that is? That's cheerful giving. That's a, a little kid who already understands the joy of getting, but now this is their first step. This is their first trial into giving. And they're going, wow, this is a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Man, I cannot wait for my parents to get what the gift that, that I have made for them, the gift that I'm, return, that I'm giving to them. They, it's cheerful. They were, they were just so happy to give it. Now, here's the funny part. This last Christmas, most of my kids are adults now. My daughter, who's here in this service, uh, she got my wife and I a gift, and she was at our house a couple weeks before Christmas, and she wrapped it. And that thing had been wrapped about 10 minutes when she came to me and my wife and said, do you want to open it now? We said, no, that's all right. She's like, no, just open it now. She just, again, couldn't wait to, for, for us to open it then. And uh, obviously she understands the joy of giving, but maybe, maybe there was something else at play there. Maybe my daughter at that moment was realizing that no matter what she gives to us, it's never gonna outdo what we've given to her in her lifetime. 
And there was a, a cheerful, there was a joy in her heart just to give us something. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is talking about. When it says God loves a cheerful giver. And some of us have never gotten to that point of cheerful giving because we don't know what it's like to give to God. And I would encourage you to step out and try it. And it's not manipulation. It wouldn't do us any good to manipulate you to give because how you give matters. Your motives matter. Matter of fact, how you give is more important than how much you give. So there is supposed to be not under compulsion, not under any kind of uh, putting a squeeze on somebody, but no, you should give out of joy. If you've been around any of our campuses for very long, you notice that something happens when it's offering time around here. We burst into applause and we cheer and maybe somebody new comes in here and goes, what in the world is going on with these people? I mean, they're asking for money and these people are happy about it. Well, what that person may not understand is we are cheerful. We are, we are filled with joy because this is yet another chance to put God first in our life. This is another chance to say, my source is not my job. My source is not my boss. My source is not my work ethic. My source is not my family or my parents. My source is not Washington, D.C. My source is not the economy, but my source is God. And every time I have a chance to reestablish that God is my source, I'm gonna put my hands together and and celebrate. So I think we should just turn it up a notch across all of our campuses because right now it's offering time. Can we celebrate and be joyful and be glad that God's good to us? Amen. He is. We're going to pray, ask God to just uh, just to bless this moment of giving. I'm going to pray, especially for those of you who maybe are stepping out to tithe for the first time, maybe in your life. I'm also going to pray for those of you who have been faithfully giving, faithfully tithing, and, and you may be walking through a season of, uh, of, of struggle, and it's been a, it's been a struggle. It's, it's starting to wear on your faith. I'm going to pray that today God would just strengthen you in your faith as well. And we're going to pray for anybody in this place that's still not at that point yet. You're still on the fence. You're still, I don't know about this. I'm just going to pray that God would just speak to you. And if you want to be included in this prayer, come on, just pray with me all over this room, across all of our campuses before we give. And after we pray, our campus pastors will take over the service on, their, on the campuses. But let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity we have to honor you, the opportunity we have to give, the opportunity we have to return to you, uh, the tithe, the holy first 10%. And God, I thank you for what that means because when you are first, we are blessed. And so God, I pray for those who are maybe stepping out for the first time. I pray you'd bless them, bless them abundantly. God, lift their faith in Jesus' name. I pray, God, for those that may be walking through a, a season of, of, of challenge when it comes to finances. I pray, God, you'd give us wisdom to steward the 90% the well. I pray, God, for the right job to open up. I pray, God, for the raise to come. I pray, God, for the promotion to come. I thank you, God, for blessing and meeting every one of our needs as we honor you. And so, God, we do. We celebrate you. We give with cheerful hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen. As you give, Pastor John's gonna lead us. Everything I have. Thank you, Lord. Everything. I am holding nothing back. I surrender it all. Everything I have, everything I am holding nothing back. I surrender it all. Everything I have.
this place and we're going to dismiss in just three minutes you just hold steady for just a moment as we said this message this series has been more about our heart than it has been about our money I promise you this that God wants your heart way more and way before he wants your money and I just sense there might be some people under the sound of my voice who's God's not in that place of preeminence. God's not number one in your life. Maybe you've never surrendered. Maybe you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord, the one in charge of your life. Or maybe you know what it's like to serve God, but you've made some decisions and you've gone some directions that have caused separation between you and God. I do not, I beg of you, do not walk out of this building. Do not walk away from this service without giving God a chance to show you who he is to show you again what he can do as he redeems your life. I don't care what your past represents. I don't care what you've been struggling with. Today is a day of salvation for you. Today is a day of dedication and rededication to him. And if you're in this place right now, nobody's looking around. It's between you and God. But if that's you, I want to pray for you as we close this service. So if that's you and you say, I'm away from God. I need to put God first in my life. I'm out of relation with God. I need him today. If that's you, do me a favor right now. Just slip up your hand. Come on, boldly. Slip up your hand. I'll see it. I'll know. I'll pray for you all over this place. I need him. I, I, need, I need forgiveness of my sin. I need to get right with God. Yeah, 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 yeah. All over. And every second. I need to get right with God in the risers. If that's you, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't take this too lightly. I need to get right with God. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? I believe that God is doing something in this house. I believe that God is doing something in hearts and lives right now. I do. I believe that transformation. We, we pray all the time for not just emotional decisions, but for transformation. And I believe that his power to transform is here today. His power to heal is here today as well. His power to deliver is here today as well. So if you're going through anything else in your life, in a moment, what we're going to do is sing that song again. And if you lifted your hands saying, I need to get right with God, I invite you to step out and come. But maybe you're walking through a different challenge, a different season. Maybe there's sickness in your body. We want to pray with you today, pray for you today. Maybe there's something going on in the home or in the family. We want to pray that there would be deliverance, that God would show up in your life. So no matter what you're walking through, if you just need someone to pray for you, pray with you. Step out and come right now as we sing. Would you step out and come? If you lifted your hand to get right with God, come on, step out, meet us here. Our prayer team is coming as well. Holding nothing back, I surrender. It's not too far to come. You need to get right with God. Just step out, meet us at this front today. You're sick in your body. Step out and come. I believe that God is here today to bring breakthrough, to do a miracle. Everything I am, holding Thank you, God. nothing Thank back, you, God. I surrender it all. Everything I have, everything I am, holding nothing back, Thank you, God. I surrender it all.
Pastor John is going to lead us in prayer. These altars remain open as he prays. If you want to make your way to this front, I invite you to do so. Uh, otherwise, have a, have a God-blessed, God-filled week. May the Lord bless you. God, we thank you so much today for your presence in this place. And Lord, we do put you first. And we thank you, God, for those that are making that decision for the first time today. We also thank you, God, for those that are rededicating themselves to that decision to put you first in their lives. And God, I pray even for those, God, that are coming to these altars, Lord, uh, saying that they need you for a situation, for an issue, Lord God, for a change, a transformation. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that whatever the needs are, God, that you would meet them according to your power and your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I thank you that when these men and women leave these altars, that they'll leave with your joy and your peace, Lord God, knowing that you've got all things under your control. Lord, we love you and bless you for that. And I pray that as we all leave this time together, that God, we wouldn't leave your presence, but that you'd be with us, God, that you would help us, lead us, and guide us, Lord, as we continue to strive to put you first in every area of our lives. We honor you, we bless you, and we thank you for a victorious week in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Blessings to you and your families. We love you so much and hope to see you again very soon. Until then, take care.